Hi, everyone. This is Tom Salami of Device Talks. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of the Device Talks Weekly Podcast. It's one of those very special episodes. I have been going all out on planning our Device Talks West meeting, which is happening on October 19th and 20th at the Santa Clara Convention Center. It's going to be a great event featuring speakers from many, many major medtechs, including Abbott, BD, Boston Scientific, Medtronic, Penumbra, Shockwave, and uh, others who are still to be announced. So uh, please do join us on October 19th and 20th at the Santa Clara Convention Center. The uh, early bird pricing is expiring on August 20th. I'll be posting an agenda of August 16th. We'll have that up there for your review, but uh, I promise you it's going to be a great day. We, we had a great time in Boston. We're going to uh, double the fun in Santa Clara, so make sure you are part of it. Today's guest is actually a guest from a Medtronic Talks podcast. In fact, I'm going to play the whole podcast for you. I spoke with Greg Smith, who's Executive Vice President of Global Operations and Supply Chain at Medtronic. Supply chain is obviously a huge issue, and Greg was uh, very, very helpful in helping me understand how Medtronic is dealing with this problem. So, And uh, I'll have lots to talk about with you. I'll be on vacation next week. And uh, next Friday, I'm actually going to uh, share an interview that I did with Dr. Laura Maury, who is Senior Vice President and Chief Scientific Medical and Regulatory Officer at Medtronic. So we'll have back-to-back Medtronic Talks on the Device Talks podcast weekly channel. But uh, two great interviews with two senior leaders at uh, a great med tech company. So uh, I know you'll enjoy that conversation as well. That's going to come out if you want a sneak peek on our Medtronic Talks channel on Wednesday. But if you have not subscribed yet to Medtronic Talks, you'll get it on Friday at uh, at this Device Talks channel, and you'll find out what you're missing. So you should subscribe to Medtronic Talks. So that's it, folks. Thanks again for uh, for tuning in. And uh, we'll have a regular Device Talks Weekly podcast episode for you in two weeks. Hi, everyone. This is Tom Salemi of Device Talks. Welcome to our second season of Medtronic Talks. In our first season, we spoke with the leaders of Medtronic's operating units to better understand the direction of each of the businesses. Now, with their courses set and clear, we're going to talk to the engineers, scientists, physicians, and other experts who are executing on these strategies. We'll still keep a tight focus on each of Medtronic's businesses, but we are going to get a lot deeper into these stories. Let's go. Hey, everybody. Tom Salemi here of Device Talks. Welcome back to the Medtronic Talks podcast. We get to talk supply chain today. A couple of years ago, we didn't even know what a supply chain was today. Everyone has questions, opinions, and is feeling the impact of the global pressures on supply chain. Greg Smith, Executive Vice President of Global Operations and Supply Chain at Medtronic, is no exception. In fact, he's uh, been working hard since arriving at Medtronic to ensure they have the materials they need to keep their inventories uh, at the levels that their customers require. So, uh, Greg came to Medtronic from outside of MedTech, but he brought in a lot of uh, a lot of understanding of the supply chain process. We'll talk about how Medtronic is managing things, about what it means for its suppliers, about how it's going forward. Again, to ensure it has uh, the inventory and the in the materials it needs to uh, to supply its customers. So, great conversation with Greg. He was very forthcoming, very helpful, very friendly. 
and uh, I, I'm grateful for the time he took. Before we get into uh, this conversation, I'd first like to ask you to subscribe to the Medtronic Talks podcast on uh, its, its podcast channel. We have channels on Apple, Spotify, Amazon. You can find the podcast anywhere you can find a podcast. And uh, if you subscribe or follow, all future episodes will be sent directly to your listening device. So don't miss a future episode. And finally, before we begin this interview with Greg Smith, I would like to bring in our sponsor, Donatel. I'm speaking with Donatel President Teresa Springett. Teresa, please tell us about Donatel. Donatel was founded as a tool and die company in 1967, and today we provide medical components and devices worldwide. We operate under an ISO 9001 and 13485 certified systems and are FDA registered as a contract manufacturer. We offer product development, rapid prototyping, 3D printing, tool making, and a variety of molding options which include micro, insert, liquid silicone, bioresorbable, micro metal injection, clean room, as well as automated high volume molding solutions. We also offer precision machining of metals and plastics, component and device assembly, process validation, sterilization, and supply chain management. So whether the need is to lower supply chain risk, make sourcing easier, or manage bottom line more efficiently, partnering with Donatel brings our customers a competitive edge. Thanks for that introduction, Teresa. We'll hear more from Teresa and Donatel a little later in the podcast. If you'd like to find out more, please go to their website, donatellmedical.com. That's D-O-N-A-T-E-L-L-E medical.com. Well, Greg Smith, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, Tom. It's a pleasure to be here. Great to talk to you. And of course, supply chain is uh, something we're all experts in now. We have all have our, uh, our theories on, on what needs to happen for things to sort out. So so I'm hoping you'll add to that uh, collective intelligence with this interview. But I'd like to talk first about your, your background a bit. You've been in supply chain your entire career. Review your career a bit, and then let's learn how you found your way over to Medtronic. Sure, Tom. I, I've been in operations and supply chain for 36 years now. Started off and spent the first 20 years in the consumer products group uh, industry, and then I made a move from uh, that industry over to automotive with Goodyear Tire and Rubber Company. And then left Goodyear and went to Walmart and was in the retail industry up until about a year, a little over a year ago when I joined Medtronic. So uh, happy to be on the med tech side. And, uh, you know, like you said, it's a great time to be in supply chain. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure you're, you're invited to every cocktail party and, and barbecue because people want to know what's going on. I'm curious, you, you've, you've worked, you've mentioned tires and consumer and now med tech. Uh, is supply chain supply chain, or does each industry provide its own uh, challenges? You know, I think it's both. I would tell you that the fundamentals are there. At the end of the day, you know, it really comes down to right product, right place, right time. Uh, hopefully, every time. I think the better you service your customer, the the better you get the repeat on the business and you know build your brand, and and that's what everybody seeks to do. Uh, there are nuances, clearly. You know, regulated industries, non-regulated industries, just different ways of going to market different points of distribution, different nodes, you know, different customer base. So I'd say every industry is a little bit different. 
But at the end of the day, the fundamentals are there. Yeah, you care greatly about your people and you want to make sure that they're working in a safe environment. You know, you hold quality to the highest degree, you know, working on servicing the customer and doing it in a very effective and a very efficient way. So let's talk about the state of the broader supply chain. Let's ask the question that everyone asked you at, uh, at every barbecue and, and, <laughs> and party. What's going on? What's the state of, of the supply chain? We've got a lot going on that we're clearing, we hope, through the pandemic. Obviously, uh, we've got the ongoing war at Ukraine and, and who knows what's next. So where are, are the weak spots uh, in the supply chain? What's creating all the anxiety? Well, I would say current, Tom, and you hit it right. It's been a two-year journey, quite frankly, since things started with COVID when you really look at everything. But I'd say now we're dealing with a compounded impact you know, of a number of factors. You've got material shortages that candidly go all the way back to two years ago with the deep freezes in Texas of where you actually had the force majeures around plastics and around resins and you know, things that in some cases hit the industry immediately. And in other cases, it took a long time to actually work its way through you know, to disrupt safety stocks and to put, you know, converters in, in very challenging positions. Second of all has been logistics. I mean, global logistics has been a real challenge. You've seen rates spike dramatically. You've seen capacity challenges. You've seen disorientation of containers on one side of the world versus the other. You know, third area is around labor. You know, labor has been a real challenge. You know, COVID's played a role in that. But when you look at primary labor impact to us as the manufacturers, but also to our, our second tier, our tier tier one, tier two, tier three suppliers, and their ability to be able to attract and maintain labor been a challenge. COVID, the disruptions of markets being up and down, open, closed, disrupting manufacturing, impacting uh, distribution. And then lastly, as you mentioned, the war. You know, mm-hmm. you look at sourcing locations, things that come from that region, distribution, sanctions, all kinds of issues. It's been a compounding impact, I think, of all these areas. There are signs on the horizon of certain things getting better, but I think it's still going to be a, a ways before we work certain issues out. Semiconductors, you know, which has been a real, real challenge these last uh, year, year and a half. You know, there's not a there's not a clear picture as you go forward about the implications of semiconductors. A lot of work underway to bring more capacity to market, but also a lot of consumption, a lot of demand, you know, against that scarce commodity. So. There's a lot of work that's going to be done, and I think it's going to be it's going to linger with us for a while. Let's talk specifically about medtech and some of the issues you, you mentioned. Semiconductors. Let's start there. How exposed is the medtech industry compared to other industries? The auto industry. I don't know how many semiconductors they have in cars nowadays, but they they do everything. I was going to say except for drive, but they're doing that too. How important are semiconductors to Medical devices. I know we're getting more technical and including more functions within medical device systems. Or are, are we as exposed as other industries are to the semiconductor shortage? Well, I would say we're adequately exposed. There's no question about that. I think others may have more dependency as they expand their their offerings, if you will. A lot of our products use semiconductors and printed circuit boards. Others don't. Mm-hmm. But in the area that we that we are, I mean, we're a very small percentage of the semiconductor uh, demand that exists out there. But when you think about what we do. The implications every day for us is serving 72 million patients a year, you know, making sure that, you know, health and wellness, you know, comes down to our mission, if you will, you know, it's very critical to us. So, you know, I, I can't speak to the other industries, but I, I know they are as well there, especially as we move to become more digitized, as we start to do more autonomously, you know, there is going to robotics industry 4.0, there's more and more demand on the horizon you know, for technology, which includes semiconductors and printed circuit boards. So it's, it's a challenge for us. And I think it will be something that will, you know, we'll continue to use more of than less. 
And how has that shortage uh, impacted things that Medtronic have? I've heard of car companies shipping out cars that don't have all the functionality that they're capable of with the idea that they can add the semiconductor chips later. I don't think you have that option in medical devices. (laughs) What's the impact been on production for semiconductor-wise for Medtronic? I mean, it's been disruptive. And we're back with Teresa Springett, president of Donatel. Teresa, how does Donatel work with medical device companies? Donatel is 100% dedicated to the medical industry. We have a solid history of success with engineering, tool building, and design for manufacturing being the cornerstone in our development process. Whether we're working on a single component or complete device, we leverage the expertise of our technical team members across the organization from manufacturing and tool making. We work very closely with our customers to optimize their product designs. Through consistent growth and diversification, Donatel offers all the capabilities our customers need at one location and under one roof. Our proven performance track record and robust quality management system, along with our solid financial position and ongoing improvement initiatives, provide the basis for why Donatel is the best choice and lowest risk supply chain partner. That's great. And I understand Donatel, like everybody else, faced some challenges over the last couple of years. How did things go? The pandemic magnified the challenges to find skilled workers across all sectors of MegTech. In addition, there are shortages of certain medical-grade resins and packaging used to make medical plastic products and accessories. Both has increased lead times. Donatel is focused on the bottlenecks that have surfaced and allocated enough time to address surprises or switch gears when necessary. Disruptions can come up quickly and unexpectedly. Being better prepared and more collaborative with our suppliers and OEMs has been key to mutual success. That's great, Teresa. And finally, I understand Donatel has been busy innovating. You've rolled out some great new resources and products. Can you tell us about them? Some of the newer technologies developed at Donatel over the past couple of years include the addition of micro metal injection molding, bioresorbable injection molding, continuing to enhance and upgrade our micro manufacturing and metrology capabilities and platforms allows us to further miniaturize the components for the medical industries we serve. Donatel launched patented connector systems for use within our customers implantable pulse generating devices. Those systems are used in both cardiac and neuromodulation markets and have the reference trade names of SmartStack and NeuroStack. These were developed to meet an unmet need within our customers and devices. Donatel is currently in the process of a significant expansion for clean room assembly and putting in place additional capital and people resources. We are also in the planning phase of expanding our clean room molding capabilities. Additionally, Donatel added significant automation and resources to support high volume production for both molding and medical device assembly. Fantastic. Thanks, Teresa, for joining us on the Medtronic Talks podcast. Once again, if you'd like to find out more information about Donatel, go to donatelmedical.com. That's D-O-N-A-T-E-L-L-E medical.com. What's the impact been on production for semiconductor-wise for Medtronic? 
I mean, it's been disruptive. It has clearly been disruptive. And, you know, in some cases we've had consistent supply and others we've had to go to alternatives for supply. And in some cases, quite frankly, you have to modify your technology to be able to adapt to something that, that, that is more commonly available. But it, it is definitely, it's, it's, it's driven constraints and it's driven disruptions. You know, that's but to your point. No, we can't really, you know, exclude a chip and reduce a, a function of the products that we produce. And how about the, uh, you mentioned the, the resin shortage, which was something I wasn't entirely uh, aware of. And you've mentioned the, the term force majeure, which I think is the first time it's been used on any podcast I've been part of. So thank you for, for bringing that into our <laughs> podcast lexicon. I'll have to work that into my questions later on. <laughs> so what happened there in Texas? I mean, we all know about the deep freeze, but wasn't aware of this, this impact on the supply chain from, from that hellish month. Yeah, I, you know, it's, it's interesting now because it's hard, hard to believe that we're still talking about it two years later. Right. But, you know, it, it, the deep freeze in Texas really took out a lot of capacity in the plastics and resins and petrochemical business. And if you recall, I think we we saw in somewhere around the, is an industry about 85 force majeures that played out during that period of time. So those factories were required to come back online. Uh, some of them didn't come back online very quickly. It took a delayed startups to be able to get them underway. And it had a huge implication throughout the supply chain. You know, when you look at a lot of packaging materials, there are multiple converters in place. And when you looked at the implications of that event and those force majeures, it took things a long time to get back up and running. And so we're, we're still feeling some elements of that today, which is, you know, again, hard to believe that we're talking about it two years later, but that's the magnitude of the impact to the overall supply chain. Was it the coal damaging equipment? Was it loss of labor? Was it, what is keeping those plants from, from getting up to where they were before? Yeah, the, the issue initially was the, uh, the impact on the capacity related to mechanical breakdowns or issues of where deep freeze pumps, piping, you know, all kinds of things associated with a deep freeze. That was the initial issue. I think they've probably suffered with everything else that I described earlier within supply chain right. and the challenges we all have since then. But the initial issue that was a jolt to the system was related to the deep freeze that occurred that February two years ago. And you had a, a unique uh, situation lately that was reported on uh, in your annual call or your analyst call with a particular uh, facility that had a fire. Can you shed any light on that? Yeah, I would just tell you, you know, in some cases when you have uh, suppliers that actually have, um, you know, a large percentage of capacity in an industry or a product that you use. Uh, we had a facility that we used down downstream that actually had a steam uh, explosion that actually rendered their facility offline for some period of time. Mm-hmm. And uh, so that was a, a hiccup that impacted not just us, but a number of our competitors as well that use the, the product lines that they produce. So what are the, the strategies that, uh, or the initiatives that you're taking at Medtronic to stabilize your, your supply chain? Well, I, I would say we're, we're kind of bifurcated in what we're working on, Tom. First of all, you know, work is to stabilize and uh, make sure that we, we get to a position that we're back to more normal operations and get through these supply chain disruptions. The second is really for us transforming the organization and the supply chain to make sure that our supply chain and operations is a competitive advantage for the company. You know, we see the opportunity within our supply chain to be able to build and enhance capabilities that really allow us to be able to do, you know, really kind of four things, I would say. First of all, is to ensure that we really enable customer and patient service and market growth. I mean, that goes back to the fundamentals of what I described earlier of the right product, right place, right time, every time. Second of all is, you know, we are the stewards of a significant amount of 
asset base. I mean, we got 70 facilities globally and 66 distribution centers and about 45,000 associates. And, you know, it's critical that in those factories and those operations, we drive operational excellence and we are ensuring that we're engaging our people to, to improve and drive problem solving every day. Cost optimization for us is a big uh, focus is eliminating loss and taking out uh, rework in the system because in our industry, when we make it, uh, investments in innovation or you know, other, other business product lines, really good things happen and we can expand our mission and we can actually service a lot more people. And then lastly, is really around ensuring that we are the employer of choice and we create an inspired employee experience. What I would tell you in the short term, what we're really focusing on doing is making sure that we are really getting going, doubling down, if you will, around planning and making sure that all of our partners upstream and downstream, that we have much better planning in place or much more timely planning, if you will, because things are so fluid and they're so dynamic, whether it's with a tier one or a tier three or a tier five supplier to have transparency and to be able to anticipate what's coming and to be able to impact it as early in the process as you can. Second area for us is around our supply base. You know, we have we have embedded a lot of our resources in a lot of a number of our suppliers that quite frankly are the ones that are most sensitive to meeting our needs. And so we have deployed teams out to those locations to make sure that we're working through all aspects of the supply chain from material planning to capacity planning to deployment of the products out into our network. And then we are obviously, you know, ensuring too from our manufacturing facilities, you know, that we are, we continue to maintain the safest possible environment with COVID because it's not, it's not gone yet, but to make sure that we're operating our facilities as efficiently as we can to be able to rebuild and, and get back to historical levels of performance. You mentioned deploying teams. Are you doing that with all of your suppliers or with tier ones or tier twos? And are they sent all over the globe or, and, and that sounds like a lot of work. <laughs> How many teams well, are, you, are you sending out? It is a lot of work. I mean, we've got about 20 teams right now that we've deployed to some of our most important and most sensitive suppliers, ones that are absolutely critical that maybe have some kind of challenge in their supply chain, just to make sure that we are basically integrating. You know, the importance of, of supply chains is, you know, the value stream is so important. And if one thing doesn't happen well across the overall value stream, then you, you fail. And so it's us, it's specific care. It's making sure that we have the focus of our resources with those suppliers to make sure we're planning together and we are setting ourselves up for the best opportunity for success. So for us, it's 20 different locations that we have today. You know, we don't anticipate this being a long-term, but mm -hmm. until we get more stability around the overall supply chain, you know, it's really helped enhance our visibility, our decision-making and our ability to drive better outcomes. And are you adding suppliers? Does having more suppliers provide security or are you being more selective in, uh, in your suppliers and, and just keeping a sort of a gold star list? Yeah, I would say, Tom, that our focus is to make sure that we have the right suppliers. It's to make sure that we have the right strategic suppliers. And to me, strategic supplier means someone that can meet our quality needs, can meet the service that we require, you know, are cost competitive and drive continuous improvement. And then ultimately, ones that we can partner with on innovation and to be able to help bring new ideas to us that we can work with to be able to even provide better you know, uh, products out, out into the market. So for us, you know, that's a big focus for us as we transform our supply chain is to make sure that we are doubling down and ensuring that we have the right supply base and that we are making those decisions very strategically as we move forward.
I just want to make sure I understand. Doubling down means what? It means you're adding more people, or you're you're putting giving more scrutiny on the ones you have. Much more scrutiny on on the choices that we make around supply base. I mean, nice. it's to evaluate the suppliers we have, and as we look to our future, to make sure that we are putting forth the diligence of ensuring that the folks that we partner with mm-hmm. are the ones that are most strategically aligned. We're important to them. They're important to us, and they can meet those parameters that we described. How much? turnover have you had in your suppliers and, and how are you vetting new suppliers? I guess I'm trying to understand, did this force you to look through your list and say, okay, we're going to focus on these and these aren't going to be an emphasis for us. What does that look like? And again, how are you vetting new suppliers, assuming you're looking for new partners to, to work with? Yeah, I would say as we go forward, it's it's vetting of the suppliers with the right cross-functional resources to, again, to make sure that we've got, they've got the quality requirements that we need, that they're able to service our business that they are cost competitive mm-hmm. and they have great innovation and are people that we can grow with. I mean, that's our intent is to make sure that we're partnering with the right players. So we will go through as part of our strategic work, you know, and we will be very focused on making sure that in some cases we add new suppliers where maybe we have gaps or we have issues, or it may be that we replace suppliers that we have today where we are not satisfied with the performance that we're getting. And if you look out, you grab your virtual binoculars and look out into the field of suppliers out there, are you seeing a lot of opportunities to a lot of potential partners or are you seeing sort of a kind of a smoldering landscape where people are just still struggling to kind of get things back together? And that's my term, not your term, but I'm just kind of wondering, what is the, what is the field of potential partners look like? No, I mean, we're, we're encouraged by the potential partners that exist out there. I don't think that's going to be a limitation. Mm-hmm. It's going to be making sure that we connect with the right ones. I mean, there are a lot of suppliers that have weathered this storm incredibly well. There have been others that have been impacted significantly. And so, you know, we want to make sure that we have the right partners that can weather the storms and to make sure that, you know, we're thinking ahead of storms and ensuring that we have the right proactive relationships, but, you know, meeting those tenants that I described already. Without giving names, I'm curious, are there any uh, helpful innovations being offered by suppliers? Anyone coming at this at a new approach that's really caught your eye and you kind of want to hold up as a model for others? You know, I, I think I'm not going to call out anybody specifically, but I'd tell you in every industry that I've ever worked, there are those innovators. Yeah. They're the ones that are out there that are actually driving that that see the opportunity just like we do to, to provide better services and better needs against our patients, which requires, which has more pull. And I think that we see the same thing in our industry as well from the suppliers. There are some very good suppliers out there that, you know, the kind of suppliers that we want to partner with. Looking into your background a bit again, you came from consumer, you were in, 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 in tires before that, you've been in various industries. And we kind of talked about the similarities and differences up at the top, but have there been strategies from previous industries that you brought to Medtronic that have helped you in, uh, in MedTech? And are there some that just simply don't work in MedTech? I would say that there's there's probably very little that I would exclude from medtech. I think medtech as a basic of operations the supply chain is very common in a lot of ways with the, with the other industries. You know, the part that I would say that is so important for us and is one of the key things that we wanted to do at Medtronic is we want to continue to drive up the service levels to our patients and to our customers. And when you think about, you know, some of the other industries that exist out there, they have really excelled at ensuring that the patient or the, in that case, the customer is serviced at a very high degree and a very high level. And I would tell you that we have a significant focus on making sure that our own time in full requirements go up and our ability to be able to service that. 
you know, we have a big focus on ensuring that, you know, we are driving continually enhancing and driving, you know, the quality of our products to make sure that, you know, they are the, the, the top tier that they can possibly be. And we want to continue to drive waste and loss out. You know, that's one thing I would say in the med tech industry that you see, is there's a lot of inventory, a lot of complexity, but also a lot of inventory. So I think there's the opportunity and it's certainly a focus for us to be much better at our integrated business planning so that we've got more accurate signals of demand. And then we can run the supply requirements across our network to make sure that we are able to service at a high level while reducing working capital and reducing inventory levels. You know, you'll see in our industry, Tom, that our, our levels of inventory are, are somewhat high. Mm. And uh, others do much more complex business with a lot less inventory. But it comes down to them mastering and being in a position to be much better in understanding of what the customer needs when they're going to need it and to be able to connect all their planning and their execution systems to be able to deliver against that. Those are big opportunities that we see ahead for Medtronic. I mean, I guess that was demonstrated in the uh, pandemic and you weren't with Medtronic at the time, but with the issues with defibrillators and, and the need for those products, whereas contrast that with the, the need for toilet paper, which is critical, but not necessarily life-saving. No. Um, so going forward, do you see Medtronic having larger inventories of products to ensure that, God forbid, we face another crisis that you're able to respond? You know, I think risk management is plays a key role in our business, right? We've got to figure out mitigating strategies, which which aren't always about more inventory. Mm. It's sometimes it's able to be more agile. It's sometimes to have multiple sources. You know, there's a lot of different things that we can do to mitigate that. But I, I don't necessarily believe that inventory is the appropriate approach. You know, I think that, you know, other industries, and I'll use retail as a great example, you know, retail and, and the CPG industries have significantly improved their ability to service their customers by bringing inventory levels down. They've done that, again, by being much more accurate in what they do. And so there is a quest in those companies, and, and we're, we're having that, we have that quest in Medtronic as well, to make sure that through integrated business planning, we are better understanding where that demand is, is going to be, and then how we best supply it. And we do it by minimizing rework and minimizing loss. Looking forward, does your list of suppliers two years from now, is it as long as the one you have today? Is it shorter? Is it longer? I would anticipate it's shorter. Shorter. And that's going to be the result of this process you're going through? Yeah. We, again, we want to partner with the right supply base. Yep. And you know, I think that you know, we, uh, we have the opportunity to align with strategic suppliers. So that'll probably be less than what we have today. And looking forward again, are we ever going to reach a point where no one ever needs to talk to you again at a cocktail party about what where supply chain is? Are, are supply chain going to move back into the background and be something that we don't have to worry about? Or is this, and we all hate the term, is this the new normal for supply chain? Well, I hope the issues associated with supply chain are not the new normal. And I don't believe that they will be. I think we'll discover new ways to adjust the supply chain and be able to adapt to some degree to some of the things that, we, that we've learned recently. But I think what this shows is it shows the importance of supply chain. It shows the importance of operations. And I think a lot of companies and a lot of industries have understood that for a long time. I think other industries are learning that today. And it's kind of interesting when you look around and you see the different organizations, even that we deal with here, the prominence of supply chain is increasing because it is so important to make sure that you have the products in the right place. And 
whether you're a hospital or you're a manufacturer, or you're a supplier, whatever that might be, if you don't have the materials that you need to do the job, you've got a big problem. So just the fundamentals of what supply changes do, I think to some degree, some of them are very efficient and you don't have to think about them. But we've certainly seen the challenges when they don't work well and the impact that's had, you know, on industries and, you know, quite frankly, on the world. So I don't think that prominence of supply chain will ever be reduced. It's certainly better understood and we'll recreate it based on our learnings of the last couple of years and we'll ensure that, you know, that we reset as we go forward. But I think you'll see the prominence for years to come. Great. And last question, looking forward, what is the one number one and number two challenge that really has you to use the cliche up at night? Is it labor? Is it something else? Uh, another unforeseen catastrophe? I would say the number one, one thing for me that has me up at night is just getting everything reset. I mean, being in a position where everything settles down to these five issues that I've talked about earlier and really getting ourselves back to kind of a new normal. That's probably the biggest thing. You know, it's, it's been a challenging couple of years. It's been the hardest in my 35 years or 36 years of doing this. But I'll tell you, I give a significant amount of credit to the associates and employees of, of Medtronic and just the grit and the determination and the work that they've done to really get us through this period of time. I mean, people are working incredibly hard you know, in some degree, you know, not as great outcomes as what we'd like. And so, you know, I'm anxious to get to those days where, you know, we get back to stability, we can build off the foundation that we have and actually transform the organization to be a best-in-class competitor and a competitive advantage for Medtronic. Well, great. This has been a very interesting conversation. I hope we can talk again in a year or so and see how things have have come along. I look forward to it. Thanks for uh, joining us on the podcast. Thanks, Tom. All right, well, that is a wrap. Thanks so much to Greg Smith for the time he took to explain where Medtronic is headed. Thanks, of course, to Donatel for sponsoring this episode of the Medtronic Talks podcast. And thanks, of course, to you for listening. Once again, don't forget to subscribe. Also, please share this podcast episode on your social media channels. And when you do, connect with me. I am on Twitter at MedTechTom. I am on LinkedIn, Tom Salemi at Device Talks, and I, uh, I've, I've restarted my Instagram account at MedTechTom. If you want to see what my dog looks like, it's a great way to, uh, to connect. So uh, thanks again for listening to this episode of the Medtronic Talks podcast. Tune in next time. We'll have another great story from Medtronic waiting for you. 